Welcome to Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. Every week, we interview founders, marketers, and researchers from innovative brands to learn how they're approaching their role and their category in a clever way. Welcome back to this week's episode of Dig In. I'm joined today by Marat Fleitlich, um, who is an Associate Director of Insights at Kraft Heinz. I actually had the pleasure of meeting Marat a few weeks ago when we were at Quarks together. Marat, how are you doing? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, it's always a pleasure. We we had a great dinner um, and had a chance to kind of noodle over what's going on in the space. I thought you'd be such an interesting guest for the listeners um, to to hear from. Can you tell us a little bit about your professional experience? Most definitely, most definitely. And, and a fantastic dinner. Great to see you all <laughs> and some colleagues from my past and, and future. So it's amazing. It's great stuff. Um, a little background. I've split time between client and vendor side uh, roles, which has been great as far as just a purview into how things work from a foundational data standpoint, and then how things work from a strategic implementation standpoint. So currently at Kraft Heinz, um, previous role was at Tyson uh, from a client standpoint, and then numerous roles on the vendor side. So definitely, uh, I, I, I cringe as I say 15 plus years. Uh, it feels like it's only been two, but I've, I've definitely been around the block here, which is which is great as far as you know, learning all the, the, the tips, tricks, and, and continued learning uh, from, from folks that have been um, kind of mentors in the space. Nice. And what is it like working at Kraft right now? Like, what do you like about it? Oh goodness, it's it's amazing, right? It's it's a company that's walking the talk, right? It's 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 had some uh, quirks in the in the in the past couple of years, but I think the the bearings have been have been laid out, and, and teams have really uh, kind of backed the mantra of consumer centric or consumer obsessed in our terminology of where we want to be and where we want to go. I think taking a step back from yes, there are financials uh, and KPIs that we need to hit on the daily or on the yearly. But as, a, as an or, where do we want to uh, think about and how do we want to transform of, of solving problems for consumers, right? They are uh, uh, the guiding light into how we innovate, how we do our day-to-day. And what, what's been great about the Insights team under Jackie's leadership has been really, uh, I don't know, being on the forefront of that change, right? Uh, of, of being, if, it, if we are consumer obsessed, starting from the Insights team that has that consumer voice through and through. It's enabled us to, to not only partner with our teams, but have a seat at the table in a meaningful way, where that mantra is laid out through every level of the organization all the way to the CEO, where we're talking about the consumer and doing things for the consumer is in our DNA. Um, and I think that this aspect of, you know, okay to fail, uh, it's, it's great. And you'll kind of hear it through, through our conversation today, but I think it, it's definitely a, a key theme and try something different, try something new um, to, to get that aspect going. And I, I think with, with Kraft Heinz, we, we really have that that mantra, you, you feel it, right? If some people say it here, you actually feel it of, of go try something. If it, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but at least we tried. And if it does work, goodness gracious, that could be a huge bet for us to, to lean into. That's pretty amazing because, um, and I'm excited to learn a little bit more about that, you know, it's okay to fail or, um, you know, this emphasis on trying new things, because I imagine that at such a huge company, that's really challenging to implement. I mean, I've spent my career in startups and often that's just kind of like table stakes 
because you really don't know what you're doing necessarily. You're trying lots of different things and experimenting, but it's pretty cool to see such a huge company, um, like longstanding, well-known brand say, you know what, we really need to lean into trying and being okay with failing. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 this aspect of like being an enabler versus a barrier to, to, to research, to, to insights, to strategy. Cause I think in, in prior ways in, right. It's always, you have to hit this metric or you have to look at it uh, very black and white. And there is a lot of gray. I think the art and science of, of what we do is, is, is everywhere, but it's how much art and how much science do we need to dabble, but also taking a step back and seeing what are we trying to learn? Is there a more efficient way in? Is, is there a more creative way in? Is there a way in that gives us another aspect of, of the question that we never thought through uh, and actually even talk through some of the questions that go into the research, right? It's having that dialogue uh, with our partners on a daily basis of, yes, here's your question, but what is that question behind that question? That getting an answer to that or getting more insight into that can help optimize or, or kind of lead us to the promised land faster. And does that, does that usually mean experimenting with new tools or like new sources of data? I'm trying to put it more tangibly, like as someone who works in marketing, is it, you know, looking outside of the vendors that you're normally working with or getting really creative with the types of inputs you're working with? Um, I'm just really curious about what that kind of uh, mantra actually means in practice. I love it. Yeah, I think it's all of the above, right? It's it's sometimes looking at what was traditional or tried and true, or just that's the way we did it. And taking a step back and saying, you know what, is it the way we did it? Mm. Are these benchmarks appropriate? Is this still, you know, needed? And not being afraid to step away, right? There, there are some aspects of brand health tracking that Kraft Heinz has stepped away from and said, listen, there are different avenues that we could approach to get some of these insights. Let's go, let's go see if we can. And here, two years later, they're still without it, right? So there are aspects of, yes, it's a cost save, but there's also other aspects of like, hey, we actually took that money and put it elsewhere to get more value uh, through other means. And we're still able to get some of the KPIs from a brand health tracking standpoint uh, through different uh, either vendors or inputs. So I, I think it, it's definitely an evolutionary model of, of thinking about you know, maybe it's a test on test. So something that you've done always, but tried a new vendor, new methodology to see if it would get you a similar output, right? All of a sudden, like partner with you guys on um, uh, kind of the concept testing aspect allowed yeah. us to look at you differently, right? But also look at the output differently versus the tried and true that's been ingrained uh, in our DNA for years. So that experimentation of, you know, it's okay if it didn't work, at least we tried it and not fearing, right? Of like, oh my God, I'm going to get a bad review because I tried a vendor and it didn't pan out. Because I think the upside is so large, pun intended there with your, with your offering, <laughs> but the upside of, of, of trying something different that does pay off, all of a sudden you've, you've course corrected something that wasn't working. It might be a cost save, it might be an efficiency save, it might be just different ways to optimize, whatever that value add from what we tried and it, and it worked, I think is immense, right? So yes, you might have a couple uh, projects that didn't pan out, but that one that did, I think it, it is, is pivotal in our growth, not only as an organization, but as, as, a, as a kind of, you know, a, an insights team, if you will. Yeah. I mean, 
I kind of buried the lead here, but when we'd initially talked about jumping on a podcast episode together, we talked a little bit about kind of what consumer insights or like human insights, you know, um, understanding humans, essentially what that role might look like in consumer businesses or any business, I guess, long-term. And um, we talked about, you know, is it going to, is, you know, an insights function, is that going to become irrelevant in the long-term? Like, what does it actually mean to get to value within that space? And I think the experimentation that you're talking about, I'm sure plays a huge role in providing um, new value as an insights leader. What else do you think kind of, what does that mean right now as an insights leader in 2022 to provide value? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, that's a fantastic way of looking at it. And, and, you know, not to throw buzzwords at you or, or, or nuggets, but I think that they're all kind of interrelated as far as uh, almost like gut building for, for us and for the mm -hmm. brand, but it's aspects around empathy, right? Like we are not our consumer and sometimes getting that voice of the consumer and providing guidance into whatever we're doing, right? Is it day-to-day -day strategy? Is it, one year out, three years out, five years out, having that that conversation, that idea spark from from the consumer, right? Uh, ability to to bring things forward to kick around. I think the insights function itself is provides guardrails, uh, be it innovation or or otherwise. But knowing the consumer through and through, we're able to have that uh, a more meaningful conversation with brand to say, hey, here's how consumers interact or might interact if we do X, Y, Z. And a lot of it is today we know the the how, what, and when, right? And and as a function, we're always trying to push why, because it's those underlying uh, behaviors fueled with attitudes, et cetera, that actually ha uh, make consumers, you know, act. So it, it's our job to kind of peer, peel back that onion and better understand what's going on and why it's going on. So we could then pull those levers accordingly from our model to, you know, to buy something off shelf, right? Or, or, or mm. see us in a more meaningful way uh, out in market. So again, that, that aspect of being the enabler is key here, right? Because in, in many functions, it's easy to just to say, hey, you, you, you didn't meet this benchmark. This thing's a dud. And yeah. Kraft Heinz has really been, been able to push through and say, you know, what made it a dud? Is it salvageable, right? How do we, how do we take these spark ideas that are, are very, uh, primitive and kind of evolve them in a way that's meaningful to the consumer. So we're not uh, punting ideas off too soon. And do they have legs? Is it, is it a go and grow, right? Like, do we do a mini mini launch or a food truck or whatever else just to, to gauge consumer interest? Because some ideas need a little uh, nurturing before a metric can just say, hey, you didn't meet this PI score. It's a dud. What's a PI score? Purchase it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's you know we're 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 uh, the amount of benchmarks that that we we interplay with they're 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 tons and and that's okay right like they keep us honest as far as like can this launch or not but I think there there's more to that score on the front end right what what could be uh, evolved in a way that 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 could help it sustain right so some new to the world of disruptive innovations might not have a benchmark to compare against. Yeah. Right? yeah, I have no idea. You need to spend X million to teach me what this is because now all of a sudden my behavior needs to shift because, hey, I didn't have a fax machine. I didn't have a rock. You know what I mean? Like these things yeah. that we take for granted today 
came through and, and, and disrupted industries in a way that was, whoa, that is a learning curve, right? I went from a typewriter to now a computer. That's a, that's a big step. What do all these buttons do? So sometimes we, we, we take that for granted of, well, it's just, it's just an air fryer. Well, yeah, incidents of air fryers, you know, they're, they're not like ovens at the moment, right? Like not every, not every consumer has it. Is that meaningful? How do we evolve the proposition to, to be applicable to those that might not have it and those that do, how do we make it useful? Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. I mean, um, I'm just, I'm thinking about how you said benchmarks in whatever form, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're testing or whatever kind of research you're doing, they kind of keep you honest, which is great, but um, you don't want to be handcuffed by them. And I guess when you think about how, and I'm not suggesting that you are a craft, I, I just mean you wouldn't want with new innovations to end up in a situation where you're like, well, we can't launch this because it didn't sort of meet up to the pre-existing um, benchmarking framework that we usually, that we usually use. So are you, is there talk of kind of adapting that for new, for new innovations? 100%. And, and even from a KPI, from like a, a, a marketing standpoint, right? Like yeah. once things launch, you can't hold something that's been in market for 10 years, for 15 years to the same standards as far as efficiencies, like at a plant, right? Sometimes a new innovation, there are a couple bumps in the road, be it from production to just even, you know, distribution. So uh, there needs to be a little leeway, not only from a, from a launch standpoint, but also from a testing standpoint. How do we nurture these things and talk to consumers and refine, be it, you know, protocepting or other aspects of getting products in front of consumers to, to really kick the tires on it before reading it on a page in a 3D or um, uh, kind of hand-drawn image. Consumers need, need, a little, need a little help there, as do we, right? It's like, oh, this would be cool if it was in the microwave, Oh great, we didn't we weren't gonna put in the microwave. So how can we? Right. So it's a it's a fast evolve. So by the time we get to to what we feel is launchable, we've already vetted it and, and kind of adapted it mm. in a way that's meaningful. And I think that the big proponent there is also time, right? So there are new tools that are allowing us to to run faster. So I know agile is is kind of a buzzword these days, but that ability to um kind of streamline processes where they can. So yes, the outcome might be fast, but there are other aspects of just, again, efficiencies of, of thinking through questions or getting it in front of consumers via, via sprint, et cetera, that time to commercialization gets cut down where we were looking at three to five years, all of a sudden might be months, depending on how close in the proposition is. So I, I think that ability to, to take a step back and, and even have very focused groups on certain things that we want to assess and, and kind of evolve has, has made um, that, that process much more streamlined. Really cool. Um, so we've talked about, you know, how there is an openness or a willingness to kind of evolve things. Um, and we've talked about what providing value means as an insights leader, um, especially for you at Craft, you know, this idea of enabling um, people to, better understand the consumer that they're serving. What kind of, if we think about the flip side a little bit, like what kind of keeps you up at night in regards to consumer insights? I'm sure there's a lot of things that are very <laughs> stressful about your role, but are there a few things that you kind of think about in terms of, you know, what, what is this going to look like in, in five to 10 years, or how is this specific thing going to impact my work? 
hundred percent. And uh, always have a notebook and, and, and pen next to next to your bed because I'm with you. Sometimes <laughs> things keep you up at night, but you need to write them down because otherwise you'll forget when you wake up. Um, <laughs> but no, fa- a valid push here. And I, I think it's it's the, the what are we doing? Why are we doing it aspect? Right. So traditionally, there are, you know, phased approaches or learning plans that have X amount of steps in them. And it's really taking a step back and saying, do we need all these steps? Like where, where can we take out a process and add something a little more uh, efficient, you know, be it quickness is, is, is just getting uh, benchtop samples to, to consumers, right? So it's this aspect of, do we need it or not? Where can we lean in and where's the risk? Cause I think the risk is the biggest factor in decision-making process here of if the risk is huge, if it's the CapEx amount or uh, insane amount of cons, we, we wanna make sure that things are, are more vetted than they aren't, right? Like, being buttoned up and, and building that gut to a T uh, might help. It might not be 100% bright, but it's still more than a very small launch, very small brand. We might just go at it, like go do a soft launch and, and kind of assess uh, how it's doing in market, right? So it's th- those aspects of every learning plan that comes through my desk, really pushing back and saying, is this needed or not? And if not, what can we utilize those funds elsewhere? Or have we ha- done that research previously? Um, Another pillar within the transformation here is, is democratizing uh, research that we've done already, right? Making it accessible in seconds versus mm-hmm. having to scour old folders for hours. And you're able to pull up things like, hey, have we ever looked at vinegar and plastic bottles versus glass bottles for Heinz? And guess what? We had, and it was only a few years old. And it, it's those things that enable us to say, you know what, pause. I know there's a new team and there's a lot of newness here. Have we done anything previously uh, for us to, to feel good about and build that gut? Or, oh man, I, I feel really uncomfortable. What can we do um, and, and get some insights before we press go? Nice. Yeah. I mean, I think agile and democratize, democratization, if I can say the word correctly, are two big buzzwords, but for good reason. Um, and it, it sounds like you guys have a lot on your plate in, in terms of kind of transforming what you're already doing really well and, and making it available to other people around your organization. Are, are people, just out of curiosity, are people like your stakeholders, like marketers and brand managers, anyone working in innovation, like are they kind of chomping at the bit to have more access to this stuff? 100%. And uh, it's in pilot phase at the moment, but should be rolled out um within the next, call it six plus months. But yeah, like there's a lot of historical content that's applicable, right? Like if I start with a solid base of, you know what, some of these questions had been asked before, what do we need to then ask to continue moving forward? So it's always, I, I think again, it's, it's become the mantra lately as well of where are we going? Why are we getting there? How will we get there? Um, so I'm with you, uh, having access to all information that's applicable is, is helpful, but it's meaningful information, I think, more than anything. Uh, the tool allows us to ask questions as if you were asking a colleague. So it's less about what trends do we have on mayonnaise mm. and more about what kind of mayonnaise do millennials eat? And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, okay, great. I, I have an answer there. What else do I need answers around to help me build my proposition? So it, it's definitely uh, ever evolving as far as um, having access to information. But to your point earlier, it's, it's even that the, the, the bigger data that's out there. So if you, if you looked uh, historically, right, it was just 
get as much information as I can. You know, I might not need to use it today, but I'll use it tomorrow. And moving forward, it's now I have all this information. How do we source it or, or assess it in a way that's meaningful today to help predict tomorrow? So it's one of those things, right? It's like, I'm not in the prediction business, but I'm in the prediction business where <laughs> some of that big data that we have allows us to, you know, not predict perfectly. We don't have uh, a magic eight ball that we can just kind of shake and, and see what comes up as an answer. But we, we do have aspects of here, what, where it might go. Here's how consumers might react and are able to build plans accordingly to, to kind of vet that out. So it's, it's definitely um, a new era within insights as far as not only access to data, but now connection to data. Because mm. previously, if you look at it through the different kind of evolutionary phases of, of research, we're, we're, we're definitely in this like, oh, wow, we do have a lot. And we've had a lot for years. How does it all talk to one another? And I think uh, AI and, and other aspects around connectivity, be it database management, et cetera, uh, have allowed us to tap into information in a much more meaningful way. Uh, it's still missing some of the aspects of why, unless it was already grabbed, but you'll get some of the what and the whens uh, in, in a much more granular and kind of deeper view than you have in the past. Yeah. It's so, like, it's so, I have the opportunity to talk to a lot of people that work in insights for consumer brands and what you're talking about um, isn't new. I think the the lens through which you're viewing it is, is really interesting. And I think it also aligns with one of the conversations I think we had at dinner or maybe in the, when we were chatting prior to the interview, but this idea of like insights used to be a lot more focused on the who and what I think it, it is you were mm -hmm. saying and now mm -hmm. it's really trying to tap into that why and I guess democratizing some of the access to the research you guys have already run or, or different data sources that you already have access to democratizing that and making it accessible to people that sit outside of insights means that your team can focus a lot more on the why and a lot more on what comes next would would you agree with that uh, 100%. If you think yeah. about things in the world uh, that provide inputs to something, be it your phone in your pocket, knowing your geolocation or what you know stores you went to or what apps you browsed. And it's this interconnect interconnectivity uh, across channels, across businesses that's becoming, the data itself is worth a lot, right? Like there's meaningful, rich context there into how and why people operate. And I think the, the long run is, is tapping into that in a more meaningful way. So while today your iWatch could tell you, you know, how healthy or active you are to a point, right? In the future, it might actually predict a potential stroke coming your way or a heart attack mm -hmm. based on your diet, right? There, this interconnectivity allows us to tap into, I don't know, call it customizable behavior of who you are, like what's important to you. And while you're at a location, hey, I should go get that that smoothie for 50 cents off because today, you know what, it wasn't a great morning. I had my, uh, you know, egg, eggs and bacon and, and, and things that were, were not privy to my diet, but I should make that pivot. And thanks for that nudge and that, and that discount. So it's that ability to, to action off of the data that I think is, is, is kind of that next pillar because right now, while we're able to understand a lot of it is looking back, right? Here's hmm. what happened. And, and the future is, is more of, here's how I could foresee certain aspects that 
showcase what you might do and why you might do it and how do I intervene in your decision in a way that's meaningful to my business or to, to my strategy to buy my product versus someone else. So what you're saying is that essentially the future of, of insights is going to be a much better version of my Apple watch telling me to stand up every 45 minutes. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Hopefully in a, you know, in in, in a more streamlined way where it's just like, oh yeah, why wouldn't I? I I should do these things. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) A lot more natural. (laughs) That is one of the most irritating aspects of an Apple watch. Um, And I need it. Like I absolutely, my chiropractor will thank me, but I'm like, (laughs) man, stop telling me to stand up. (laughs) Um, No, no, it's that, it's that real time moment, right? Like if I mm -hmm. can intervene when it's happening versus, oh, we should have intervened. It's, it just, the, the speed to commercialization or even decision-making becomes quick. It becomes right now uh, versus what can we do in the, in the future? So it's definitely an amazing uh, way in and I don't know, something to be happy about, right? Like we're, we're on that evolutionary chain of how do we partner with the right vendors to get some of that information now, be it, you know, brain scans to really understand the what and the where and the why, uh, but just better understanding how consumers make decisions subconsciously, right? So the things that consumers tell us aren't always what they do, right? Like you'll talk to folks and you're like, I only buy branded products. And then they open up their pantry and it's a bunch of private label. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's honing in on, on what, what really drives consumers and how can we extract that in a meaningful way and then act on it. I think it's the, that push and pull of what our job um, is allowing us to, to bring to the table. I mean, this, this is a perfect lead into what I wanted to talk about next, because when you talk about the types of vendors that you would want to work with, I'm just thinking of how your team might be structured now. And um, I don't know if it's structured in to handle the types of inputs that you'd be looking at. So really trying to understand consumer behavior. Like when you think about structuring a team in the future, even in like a couple of years, is it different than the way that you structure a team now? Um, Like talk to me about the thought process around that. Yeah, I I think at, at a foundational level, very similar, but it's just how you approach certain things, right? So aspects of curiosity, that's nothing new in insights, but it, it's that drive for, right? Of not always having that answer and, and finding out where one can get an answer. Aspect of trying new things, right? Like if, if you say you could only use vendor X forever, you, you're like, great, I will use them and I have my, my, my process and everything is set up. But it's, 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 it's fun kicking the tires of saying, you know, like, yeah, that works. Is there something different? Is there something new that I can try that might be better, might not be better, but it's worth that try, right? Otherwise it kind of, you stagnate. Um, As you see the consumer journey and and kind of behavior and market evolve, I think our tools need to do the same, but also from the people coming in. I think I read something that was around, um, as new folks come into research, they just have a different purview to it than folks that have been here for 20 plus years. And we need to learn from one another, right? There are new tools, there's new avenues, there's new influencers out there that help us evolve on how we interact with our consumers. So it's, it's one of those things that, hey, it's, it's a kumbaya moment, right? Like th- there is no perfect way of doing it, 
but let's find out why we do it, how we do it and do it better. That can get us to that next level. Mm. Otherwise, you know, you just kind of evolve out, right? Oh, that's an old way of thinking. See you later. And this new way of thinking is the new shiny object. I think there's, Mm. there's a little bit of both camps versus just one. Very cool. Um, we're almost out of time here. I did want to talk about, like, ask you a couple, um, I don't know, I think challenging, challenging questions. So just for fun, if we found out in 10 years, you know, the department of insights or the insights business unit within a consumer business, it didn't exist anymore. Who do you think would kind of subsume it? Like which department would it live in? Oh, great question. Um, you know, I, I'll, every every department should have some aspect of it, right? If you don't have the consumer embedded across the org, you have a huge blind spot of, of what you're doing and why you're doing it. But I think that the bigger owner there probably would be be strategy of, of just mm. really focusing on the where and the why and the what. But I'm with you. I, I, it's like, um, it's a push of like, even your, if your CEO is a consumer centric, what are we here for, right? We're just here for the stake, yeah. the, the shareholders. I think that's that short-sighted, especially if you're looking to grow in the future. So it needs to be embedded in the, in the company's DNA from the top all the way to the bottom. Yeah, I, I hear you. Um, and then finally, is there anything you would want to leave the listeners with? So any required reading to be great at being consumer centric or anything that's inspired you as an insights leader? Love it. Yes. I've got a mantra and a book because, you know, why not have another one on the list? Uh, The mantra, uh, perfection shouldn't be the enemy of progress, right? Sometimes we we get stuck in the rut of like, man, I I need to get it to 100% brighter or else. And sometimes 80% would have got you just fine, right? So let's not delay some of our output or our conversations just because we're we're not 100% there. That's where the conversations evolve, right? Mm -hmm. And if if you're still not there, let's get there. Uh, but having that conversation sooner than later uh, will, will help us get to the promised land that much faster. And then as far as books, uh, it's called Measure What Matters by John uh, Dorier. Uh, it, it's an interesting take on, it, again, not a new concept by any means, but an interesting way to set goals that are not always merit focused, right? Like, let's go talk to S- X customers. Let's go try X amount of um, vendors or, or initiatives. And it, 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 the onus is, is really delivering, but not always at 100%, right? Like it's, it, it tries to make you uncomfortable in ways that are meaningful to the organization and help a lot of people come together to get you there. Um, but I, I don't know, it, it's worked for a lot of um, Silicon Valley, uh, think Google, et cetera, that have picked it up after uh, it was is first uh, rolled out um, in some of the first uh, computer uh, chip manufacturers. Great read. Take a peek. Uh, it'll definitely help you set goals in a, in a different manner. I love it. Marat, you're such a legend. Thank you for joining us today. Um, I hope you had fun. This was great. And I will talk to you soon. Love it. No, thank you for having me. Beyond, beyond fun, as, as you put it. I love it. it was good stuff. Uh, look forward to the next one. Bye. Thanks for tuning in this week. Find us on LinkedIn at Dig Insights and don't forget to hit subscribe for a weekly dose of fresh content.